What's going on, everybody? You're listening to This Week in Sports. I'm your host, as always, The Pody. It is Saturday, October 8th, 2022. So, again, thanks for tuning in. A little late with the show today, but I had a lot going on. Just glad that the rain is pretty much uh, for the most part, behind us, we had sunny 70s-plus weather the last two days here in New Jersey, so thank you for that, although it did rain a little bit or most of the night last night, but nothing too crazy. It was a brisk fall fall morning. Had some softball practice, scrimmaged it up a little bit in our squad sc- scrimmage. It was a good day, and uh, now I'm back home watching some uh, college football, some baseball playoffs. We've got the Guardians and the Rays Cleveland looking to uh, move on to the next round to face the Houston Astros. They are in the top of the 13th inning. Nobody wants to score a run in this game. Rays trying to stave off elimination, so I'll update you. I've got that going in the background. The television broadcast of ESPN, I have Optimum. All ESPN channels have just crapped out, so I switched over to the ESPN app um, on my iPad here, and I've got that going. Um, I was going to do the episode last night, but Rutgers was playing their blackout game. Barstool was there. Dave Portnoy, um, they did their pregame show and all that stuff. That was pretty cool. And then I just watched an absolute shit show between Rutgers and Nebraska. Rutgers held a 13, nothing lead and then proceeded to blow that and lose the game 14 to 13. They are a joke, uh, uh, in, in college football and just an even bigger joke in the Big Ten. I thought they maybe were going to turn things around. Nebraska doesn't even have a coach after firing um, Scott Frost a couple weeks ago. So just just a disaster. I don't want to get into that too much because I'm just too disgusted. The last two football games I have watched were that Thursday night game between the Broncos and the Colts and Rutgers last night. And then, of course, today um, I, I watched the Kansas game. Um against which is where college game day was so i watched that game against tcu battle of unbeatens in the big 12 that turned out to be a really really good game um so we'll get into college football up you update you on the top 25 and, and what the scores are looking like so far in the early slate of games so with that being said let's dive right in and get this episode started episode 187 <laughs> All right, so I want to start off with the NFL and give you just a nice little recap. Um, Here's something important in lieu of the Tua Tagovailoa injury. So the NFL and the Players Association have agreed to modify the league's concussion protocols based on conversations around the use of the term gross motor 
instability. And this is important because we just had another nasty head injury. Second play of the game, Naheem Hines was wobbling off the field. He had to be helped off. It was an ugly scene there. He did not return. Seems like we're having uh, or seeing a lot of these concussion protocol type head injuries this season, and it's just not good. So a joint NFL-NFL-PA investigation into how the concussion protocol was applied to Tua's injury in week three is ongoing. It is my understanding that they have interviewed Tua as well. The independent neurotrauma consultant that evaluated Tua against the Bills was fired for failing to understand his role and showing hostility during the investigation. Now, listen, this guy is a scapegoat. There's no no mincing words. 100%, he's a scape, He's the scapegoat. I'm not going to sit here and say he did everything right or he did everything wrong or maybe it was somewhere in the middle, but I have seen nobody put the onus or blame on Mike McDaniel, first-year head coach, who was probably urging this guy to to clear Tua to get him back in the game. I have seen no onus on, you know, manage management up and down the chain or the organization in Miami. They have gotten none of this blame. So they put it all on this independent neurotrauma specialist or whatever, whatever that means. I don't know if that means he he's unaffiliated with the NFL entirely. If he's a, a you know, neurotrauma surgeon or a neurologist, I, I just don't know. Um, the, the 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 bolts the bolts and 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 the nuts and bolts of this it's again it's still ongoing i guess we'll find out more um but tua is going to be out this week against the jets and he will likely this is a personal opinion but i'm just assuming he will likely need a long longer road to recovery um because they don't want this happening again it's already a black eye on on the nfl and on the organization right now. So they are going to have to make sure that he is 100% healthy before ever taking the field again, because this could be life changing and this could impact the future, uh, you know, of his brain and uh, how he, you know, CTE and all that stuff that's been popping up over the last, you know, decade or so. So very, very um, just intricate situation that will play out over the next several weeks. All right. Hey, the Cowboys won again. America's team, Cooper Rush, getting it done. He is now 3-0 this year, and he is the first Cowboys quarterback ever to win his first four starts. He now has four touchdowns, no interceptions, and a 95.9 passer rating. Pretty good stuff. The Eagles remain the lone undefeated team in the NFL. They are now NFC uh, favorites to come out of the NFC, represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Um, so yeah, 4-0, they, they look really good. They are favored in every remaining game this season, so that's interesting. Uh, the Giants also improved to 3-1. and one. We talked about them last week, losing the Monday night game to the Cowboys. Um, Daniel Jones got hurt. In this one, Tyrod Taylor got hurt in this one. And then Daniel Jones came back in. Um, he banged up his ankle. It's looking like he will start tomorrow morning's game in London against the Packers. That's a pretty big spread, but it has slowly dropped. It was nine and a half. I think it's down to somewhere around eight. Um, but hey, the NFC East now has three teams at three and one or better. Giants, Cowboys, three and one, Eagles, four and oh. 
Um, so I guess we can't make fun of it anymore as the NFC least, more like NFC beast. Am I right? Uh, very, very surprising there. Uh, the Chiefs proved just how good they really are without Tyreek Hill. Just unbelievable performance by them on Sunday Night Football. Very high-scoring, entertaining game. The Bucs are just uh, one or two players short right now. They're dealing with some injuries to that offensive line, to to that you know wide receiver group. Um, Tom Brady got banged up in this game. He sat out Wednesday's practice shoulder and maybe possible elbow injury, but he's going to be fine. He took up a, uh, a sack, never saw the guy come and was looking left. They came off the corner and just blew him up um, and he fumbled and turned it over. But this one was all about Mahomes and company. If not for the Eagles, they would be the best team in football right now. Um I'd go as far as to say they are the best team in football, even though the Eagles are undefeated. I don't think they've truly been tested just yet um, or played such an elite defense. I mean, Mahomes tore up this Todd Bowles-led defense, one of the best in the NFL, put up 41 on them, including one of the most ridiculous touchdowns you'll see all season long. Take a listen right here. Mahomes scrambling to his right, holding it, holding it, gets off the hit, now lunging forward, and now fires it late, caught at the back of the end zone! Y'all saw that? I know y'all saw that. That's something you like. You do a man. Yeah, so I don't know if you could hear that part. I'll clean it up in post, make it a little louder so you can hear, but that was safety Juan Thornhill, and even he knows that play was ridiculous, saying that's something you you do in Madden, and he's not wrong um, at all. It looks like um, I just looked up to my iPad. Corey Kluber is on for Tampa Bay. I think we're in the bottom of the 13th inning, so Tampa Bay is now into their starters they are throwing starters out of the bullpen now because they're pretty much out of pitchers at this rate. And if they have a third game to go tomorrow, they gotta have they need somebody to throw. So they're saving uh, possibly a couple guys. So this is gonna get interesting. So he's warming up there. So uh, yeah, Mahomes for the season so far now tied for the lead. Uh, the league lead in touchdown passes with eleven. Jared Goff and Lamar Jackson also have eleven on the season. Let's talk about the Patriots and Green Bay Packers. That game was in uh, Green Bay last weekend and Brian Hoyer getting the start because Mac Jones dealing with that high ankle sprain that's going to keep him out this week as well. Well, it wasn't no surprise. It didn't take very long for Brian Hoyer to get injured, the often injured Brian Hoyer. Um, he's been in this league for a decade plus, and that's been his knock. He's always getting hurt. Um, and he got concussed, another concussion, like I was just saying. He gets concussed. He's out for the game. So guess who the Patriots had to turn to? Fourth round rookie draft pick, Bailey Zappi. The kid out of Western Kentucky who actually, I believe he set a, a record last season in at Western Kentucky. He threw 62 touchdown passes. Oh, my God. Just ridiculous. He threw like 80-something for his career in just like two years. Um, if you're doing the math at home, say they played like 12 games, it's over five touchdowns a game. Just insane. And this was the biggest spread of the week. It was sitting around nine and a half or so. And Zappi played admirably. Um, he did his job. I will give him a lot of credit. That is not an easy thing to do. Your first game action in the NFL in Green Bay 
one of the loudest places, cold, you name it, against Aaron Rodgers and co. And the Packers needed overtime in this one to win it on a field goal, 27-24. to 24. So the Pats did more than cover. Um, and now Bailey Zappi will be forced to start at home against the Lions. Patriots are three-point favorites, as the Lions will still be without Amon Ross, St. Brown, um, and a couple of other guys. Uh, so interesting spot there. Let's see if the kid can can get it done uh, at home. I'm sure they'll be cheering and going nuts for him. And let's just hope this isn't one of those Tom Brady situations and that Bill Belichick, Belichick didn't just find himself another Tom Brady because that would be scary. Uh, that the London game last weekend uh, on Sunday was insane as well. That one at 930, you had the Vikings three and a half point favorites against the Saints without Jameis Winston, without Michael Thomas um, and a bunch of, you know, other key pieces and Andy Dalton getting the start in this one. And it was 10 nothing, I believe, early. Saints were winning this one. And I'm like, here we go. But of course, I did a parlay and I dropped the Vikings to minus one. And in the end, it came down to three points. And it was Will Lutz kicking from 61 yards in London for the tie. Take a listen to what happened. You have to hear it to believe it. Yeah, I don't know if you could hear that either, but double doink off the left upright and then hit the crossbar before crashing down to the turf. The Vikings escape yet again. They seem to be putting themselves in one score games week after week. Last week, it was the late comeback to win by four against the Lions. This week, they get the job done um, against the Saints. Um in London, I mean, that was a tough-fought game. Those London games are always iffy and and, and very tough to 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 bet. Um, so you got to be careful with those. But the Vikings, I I just can't figure them out. They're sitting at three and one. They blasted Green Bay. Then they had that dud on Monday night against the Eagles, and now back-to-back one-score uh games in which they won. So that does show me a little something. And now they get Chicago, which. Chicago, to me, is might be the worst team in football right now, so they should win that game. But again, it's an NFC North matchup, so you just never know what to expect in that game. Um, the odds in that one, they're seven and a half point favorites. See, I don't know that I can take Minnesota to win by seven and a half. That hook is just brutal. I would drop that to six and a half more than likely. But yeah, what a finish there in London. The Panthers, one of the worst teams in football right now. They had such promise. They traded for Baker Mayfield late in, in uh, the offseason. And then in the preseason, uh, Sam Darnold goes down after Baker Mayfield was finally named the starter. Sam Darnold has a very high ankle sprain, and he is not due back anytime soon. Good. That is very good news for Baker Mayfield because if Sam Darnold was healthy, they might have made the switch by now because Baker Mayfield has been brutal. He had five passes batted down against Cleveland, and then they just played the Cardinals, and he had nine passes batted down. The Panthers have lost 24 in a row when an opponent scores 17 or more and are 1-26 and 26 overall in such conditions under Matt Rule as the Rays get the third and final out of the 13th inning, we're going to the 14th. 
Uh, Baker Mayfield, again, nine passes batted down in this game, and it boiled over to a point that a reporter asked him, is there anything you're doing to fix this batted ball issue? Take a listen. A little testy. If you have a drill for me, you can let me know. Say again? If you have a drill for me, you can let me know. Coaches haven't given you any suggestions for something like that. I mean, it's it's like staying in the pocket. It's finding windows to throw, getting their hands out. Game. I mean, it's the same thing that I keep saying. How fair, I, I know the quarterback always gets the blame for everything, but how fair is that with what's going on this year? Completely fair. Um, I'll take that any any day of the week. You know, we just we just have to be better. You know, I I've said before. You know, I pride myself on being a guy that elevates the guys around him and being able to uh, lead at an extremely high level. And obviously, that has not happened yet. So um, I'm working really hard on that. And uh, you know, starts with me just doing my job the very best I can, and then going from there. So. Um, yeah, uh, I'll take a lot of blame for that, and I consistently will. Yeah, so he gets a little sarcastic, little testy with the uh, reporter there when he asks that question, um, and then calms himself down a little bit. But yeah, he's not been good. Former number one overall pick, as far as I'm concerned, he has not lived up to that hype at all. That draft, looking back, was brutal. Lamar Jackson proving to be the best quarterback taken in in, in the early going of that draft. Um, as well as, you know, Josh Allen. Um, but there were three basically quarterbacks at the top of that that were busts. You had Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and then Josh Rosen. Uh, so yikes. Um, and the two guys that were taken, you know, well, uh, actually, I want to say Rosen was the third quarterback taken, not Josh Allen. So either way, but still not a good draft there. Um Speaking of the Panthers and the Cardinals game, here was an interesting one. Right before kickoff or a few hours before kickoff, I'm watching Red Zone and Scott Hansen throws up this tweet from J.J. Watt and he's saying how um, I just been notified that some personal information has leaked and it's going to come out in a report soon. So I'm just going to get ahead of it. And then he says he, he proceeds to talk about how um, a few days earlier his heart went into AFib. So if you have an Apple Watch, it always, you know, is checking your heart rate and it will actually or can actually save your life and alert you if your heart goes into atrial fibrillation, um, which is basically not very good and it could lead to stroke. It's not life-threatening if treated or if you catch it in time, but if you don't catch it and you don't know, you can it can lead to stroke and that could be devastating and very life-threatening. Um, so... He found out about it. I don't know if he was wearing an Apple Watch or just through the course of, you know, maybe he was at has some shortness of breath at practice or was dealing with some things or whatever. Um, they have all this high technology, high tech stuff that they're using at these facilities and with these um, franchises anyway. So maybe they hook them up. They have sensors and different, you know, stuff that they wear. And like I said, it was probably an Apple Watch realistically. Um, so he had his heart shocked back into rhythm on Thursday and he played in this game on Sunday. So he was just letting everyone know this was the information that was going to come out. And it was just incredible that he was even able to play just a few days later. So as Wander Franco leads off the 14th with a base hit. So we'll see if we can get any action going here. Okay, we move on. All right, let's talk about that Thursday night. No, let's get to the Monday night game. The Niners looked very impressive beating the uh, defending Super Bowl champion Rams, who just haven't quite looked looked right. Um, it, it, 
you know, this was a final of 24 to nine. The Rams were never really in this one. Um, 49ers got off to a hot start. Jeff Wilson with like a 30 yard uh, rushing touchdown, which I thought was very impressive. And it put me within three points of winning my fantasy matchup going up against George Kittle. In the end, I'm super angry because Wilson got stuffed at the one yard line, which would have won me the game, won me my matchup, but I lost like 133 to 136, something like that, which is ridiculous because I scored a crap ton of points. There's only two other players in the league that would have beaten me this week. So I'm a little salty. I dropped a two and two. I should be three and one. I would be in second place right now. So I'm very salty about it, uh, but we'll try to get things um, kickstarted or jump jump started again and, and get back over 500. Um, yeah, the Rams, I don't know what to make of them right now. Allen Robinson, something's going on there. He's just been uh, nothing. Um, they're sitting at two and two with, with uh, you know, some bad losses mixed in there. They got smoked against Buffalo by 21. Uh, they lose this one. They almost lost to Atlanta in week two. Uh, let them come all the way back. They barely beat Arizona by eight. So it's a very interesting um, that they're playing the Cowboys at home this week, which Dallas fans travel. So this is going to be more like a Dallas home game. And they're five and a half point favorites. So I just don't know about that. I I'm leaning towards taking the Cowboys with the points for one of my three picks on um, TTR podcast uh, through the ringer which we should be doing a little bit later tonight. Um, so that might be one of my three picks. I'm leaning that way. But yeah, 49ers, Jimmy G, they're looking, that defense is looking good. D'Amico Ryans is looking like a real deal as a defensive coordinator. Um, keep an eye out for his name as coaching jobs become available. Um, so yeah, I, I think they're better with Jimmy G, honestly. And that was one of the best games I've ever seen out of Jimmy G. Um, that was a really impressive win. He made some really ridiculous throws. Debo Samuel, I mean, is just filthy, ridiculous. Some of the moves he made, he had like a 50-yard-plus touchdown run, catch and run, just insane. Um, put Jalen Ramsey on skates, and just, just ridiculous. All right, now let's get to that Thursday night football shit show between the Colts and the Broncos. Again, this was another weird spread on a Thursday night. I wasn't falling for it. The spread was three and a half. And I told my friends, everyone was trying to make up these crazy uh, same game parlays because there was insurance up to $10. So if you made a $10 parlay and it didn't hit, you'd get your money back. And I told everybody the best bet would be to take both quarterbacks to throw an interception. I don't know what the odds would have been, but if you parlayed it, it would have hit. I believe both of them threw, Matt Ryan threw at least one. I think they both threw two, actually. Um, I know Russell Wilson threw two. Can you believe it, guys? Russell Wilson signed for like $250 million or $245 million, whatever it was, and he's thrown four touchdowns to three interceptions this year. Three. And he got them down into scoring position twice. One of them was an interception, a bad interception. And then, of course, at the end in overtime, they uh, get it gets batted down on fourth and one. Um, this could be a double play. Oh, good job by the runner. Not so much. Franco gets doubled off. He stopped going a second. He should have just went in hard, but it was going to be a tag situation. So nothing he really could have done. Wow. Uh, all right. Cleveland coming up to bat. Four hits apiece. Middle of the 14th inning. And each team has just four hits. In insane. Um, so where am I? Thursday night football. Yeah. And then it gets batted down. He goes after Stefan Gilmore, which was just uh, an absolute joke. 
Um, so where are we at here? Week five, right? We got week five. Yeah. All right. So both quarterbacks, did they throw two interceptions? Did Matt Ryan throw two? Yes. Matt Ryan threw two interceptions. Russell Wilson threw two interceptions. They both had very similar numbers. Russ threw for 274 yards, was sacked four times. Matt Ryan threw for 251 yards, was sacked six times. I believe if I'm correct on this stat, it's the first time in history that two quarterbacks with four plus Pro Bowls each have combined for were played in a game where there was no touchdowns scored combined. Just insanely bad. It was so bad, guys. It was so bad. And the Broncos were three and a half point favorites in this game. That's why I knew I was staying away. It was so, so bad that just before overtime, and stupid, stupid me, and stupid, we're all stupid for staying up and watching that game because it was really, really bad. Um, at the start, this was the start of overtime. Just listen to Kirk Herbstreet. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> They're leaving. The Broncos fans are bailing. They've had enough. It's 9-9. They're like, the heck with it. I'm out. Yep. I'm out of here. I can't believe I saw that. At the start, there was five seconds left in regulation. They had just tied the game to send it to overtime. And Broncos fans were exiting the building. They did not want to stick around. And they left. And I, I cannot tell you th that I've ever seen that. This is a team that had Super Bowl aspirations going out and getting a Russell Wilson. And it's just been a joke ever since week one. Yes, he threw for 360 yards, but they lost to Geno Smith and his former team. They lost to his former backup who is outplaying him this season and has been an unbelievable revelation, Geno Smith. So... Um, and then and then you have Russell Wilson after the game, after his press conference, walking away saying Broncos country, let's ride like he's he's having these weird little commercials with a spicy sandwich or that it's dangerous and everybody is memeing it. it. It's like, what is he not the the most the least self-aware player in, in 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 sports right now is is this like just a, a skit is he doing this on purpose like what is going on no idea but um i don't know what to say i'll talk to uh you know mauer power a little later on, on uh ttr and, and i'll ask him because he's a diehard broncos fan and, and just figure out what's going on but they are like the worst offense in football right now it's incredible so the colts end up winning this in overtime 12 to 9 they got the ball to start ot drove down the field settled for a field goal it was a weird situation on a third down play officials called down to the field stopped play said there's a guy we think has a concussion we need to take him off the field or at least evaluate him so they they stopped the play they stopped the game they get the guy off the field but matt ryan isn't aware the play clock didn't reset by the time it's getting all the way down to like seven seconds matt ryan's yelling at the ref reset the play clock reset the play clock they don't reset it and they get a delay of game and then had to settle for a field goal. It went from third and one to third and six. He either threw it away or whatever it was, incomplete. And um, they settled for the field goal. Now, um, they were saying the rule is that the play clock on a situation like that only is supposed to reset to 10. Obviously, Matt Ryan didn't know that. The offense didn't know that. But they also said that the 
ref is supposed to immediately tell the quarterback or tell the offense that the play clock only reset to 10 and it didn't look like they did that. So they, you know, hit him for that five yard uh, delay of game penalty. And so then the Broncos got the ball. They went first play, I think, screened to Melvin Gordon for a good chunk, 20 something yards or so. They got down. They ran it three times in a row with Melvin Gordon. He gets stuffed on third and one. It's now fourth and one. And much like the Super Bowl, instead of handing it to the running back in this situation for a fourth straight time, they tried to pass. Russell Wilson missed a wide open receiver in the end zone and instead tried to sidearm it over the middle to Judy and it gets batted down by Stefan Gilmore game over Broncos drop to two and three as we're seeing bottom second in Toronto. Um, Teoscar Hernandez hits a two run shot. So that's still early there after the uh, Mariners took game one yesterday. So yeah, lots of problems going on in Denver. Okay, let's get to uh, some college football. Let's update you. Wisconsin fired Paul Christ, and they had to pay the price. $19.5 million buyout. Yikes. It was a bad look, um, clearly, when former head coach Brent Bielema came to town with an under, uh, a, a lesser, I should say, Illinois squad, just definitely not as good as Wisconsin or shouldn't be, and they smoked them 34-10. to 10. So they said, that's enough. We're getting rid of you. And they they fired Chris, which is just shocking because if you look at his resume in his tenure, I mean, he's a born and bred Wisconsin guy, played quarterback there, et cetera. He ends his tenure at Wisconsin 67 and 26 over seven plus seasons, including three Big Ten title game appearances and one Rose Bowl appearance. Just shocking. Uh, defensive coordinator Jim Leonard was named interim head coach, and don't be surprised if that title becomes permanent when all is said and done. He is going to get some uh, some serious uh, a serious look um, to to become the full time uh, coach there. All right, nine top twenty five teams lost Saturday, and Georgia nearly lost. I kept my eyes on that game. They snuck out a late touchdown to win that one 26 to 22 otherwise they would have lost that was a little shocking Bryce Young left Saturday's game with number 20 Arkansas he had a sprained uh shoulder um they don't think it's too serious so something to keep an eye on Nick Saban didn't seem too concerned but you could see the frustration from Bryce Young when he came off the field slamming his helmet Kentucky had a tough go at this one um, after opening the season in the top 25 and climbing all the way to number seven. They lost to number 14 Ole Miss 22 to 19. A late um, sack forced fumble ended this uh, this comeback by um, Kentucky. They had a bunch of turnovers in this game. It was ugly. There were some missed kicks, a safety at two lost fumbles in the fourth quarter alone, including that one I just said that sealed it for Ole Miss. So uh, those those words that, that Calipari said earlier in the year where Kentucky's a basketball school, um, not so fast because, you know, they jumped all the way up to number seven. Even though they lost this game, they're still a very good football program this year. And Ole Miss, give them credit. They're now 5-0. and They jumped up to number nine in the latest AP poll. And they... They're taking on Vandy today. Uh, that game should have started about an hour ago. 
Kansas finally broke into the top 25 after getting snubbed last week. They beat Iowa State, ugly game, 14-11. to They played uh, Kansas State today. I just lost some money on that. That was a tough blow. I bet them live at almost plus 300 odds when they were down 10-0, but they started to drive, and I was liking it. They immediately, their quarterback gets hurt, misses the rest of the game, probably broke his collarbone in all seriousness or separated his shoulder. Backup comes in. They looked really good for a while. And then the last possession, they're trying to score late under a minute in plus territory. The second down play, and there's a horse collar, a blatant horse collar. Um, They don't call it. And then on the final fourth down play, he throws, you know, a deep slant. And the guy, there should have been defensive holding. It was a clear hold. They don't throw the flag. And... That's how the game ends with like 35 seconds left or so. Just disappointing for Kansas. Um, and, and TCU looked pretty, pretty good. Um, that wide receiver they've got is a stud. Uh, Johnston, he, he went over 200 yards receiving. Just absolutely insane. So Kansas, look, they're, they're hard fought, gritty game. Uh, that backup came in who was their primary quarterback a year ago. Looked really, really good. And they they tried their darndest. So uh, Leopold or Leipold, however you say say his name, the head coach there at Kansas. I mean, this guy is a as good as it gets right now, and and you're gonna see his name popping up for some high profile jobs. Um, so keep an eye on that. And got, uh, game day was there um, this morning as well. All right, uh, some insanely ridiculous play, uh, a ridiculous catch. If you haven't seen it, the I, I'm not even playing audio for it because it doesn't do it justice. You need to physically see it with your eyes. The effortlessness. Um, Liberty wide receiver Javian Lofton pulled down a, a one-handed touchdown catch that you have to see to believe. I'm, I'm not kidding you when I say it was that unbelievable. Catch of the year. And then Ohio State running back Mayan Williams tied the program's single game record with five rushing touchdowns on a career high 21 carries. But are we really like that surprised? It was against my Rutgers team that I just blasted a few minutes ago. I watch a game, a team like Kansas, who has consistently been one of the the worst power five program over the last decade, averaging like two wins a year and they're unbelievable this year. They've got a great quarterback that they just, you know, brought in. And then he gets hurt. They bring in their quarterback from last year, and all he does is run up and down the field scoring a million points and throwing the shit out of the ball. Like, he's got a cannon making some dime throws. He has, like, 4-4 speed looking ridiculously fast. They couldn't catch him. And, yeah, he threw some a bad interception, missed the guy, didn't have really the touch throws down, Pat. But better than any quarterback I've seen at Rutgers in years. Rutgers tries to get quarterbacks from, you know, they've got Noah Vedrill from Nebraska transferred over. They they had a kid a few years ago, a lefty from from uh, from Texas Tech that came in who was an absolute dud. Um, I just don't, then the homegrown guys don't pan out. It, like, what are we doing? We've got Gavin Wimsett, who's like the highest rated quarterback Rutgers has ever had, and a uh, four-star recruit out of Kentucky leaves high school early to come to Rutgers and has been just a huge disappointment. And 
the, the gimmicky shit that they do. It's just one quarterback in on one series, then he's out, then they bring in Langan, then they bring in Evan Simon, then they bring in Vedral and back and forth and back and it's a high school offense. So I'm just disgusted. And when I see teams like the Kansases and the other teams that aren't that great and they're putting up points and they have unbelievable like players at every position and multiple of them. And then I look at Rutgers and they don't have one. I, I just shake my head like, what are we doing there? What are we doing? Rutgers did cover that game, by the way, against Ohio State. They lost by 39, but they did cover, and there was some chippiness towards the end of that game as Shiano got into it with his um, former coaching mates because he used to coach at Ohio State, Ryan Day. They went fake punt on a fourth and two up 39, and Shiano was not having it. Um, so, yeah, and I think it was Aaron Crookshank who just rocked somebody, the punter, out of bounds or something on the fake, which I was happy about but yikes all right the last remaining unbeaten teams coming into today georgia bama ohio state michigan clemson michigan was in a very close battle against indiana actually so i want to double check to see if they ended up winning as the rays get a base hit he's going first to third with one out so one out we've got runners on first and third top 15 so let me see if michigan won that game hold on a second oh god it was 17 to 10 michigan ended up winning 31 to 10. all right so they're still undefeated clemson usc clemson will play tonight usc tennessee oklahoma state penn state Ole miss tcu tcu still unbeaten kansas no more ucla and syracuse and let me just see um Tennessee beat LSU 40 to 13. I just said Michigan, TCU, uh, Bama plays tonight. Let's see. Uh, USC plays tonight against Washington State. That should be a good game. Washington State is four and one. Um, Clemson will play tonight against Boston College. Mississippi is losing to Vanderbilt 13 to 10. So I talked to them up and now they're losing. That's still early in the second quarter, though. Um, Ohio State's up 14-7 against Michigan State. End of the uh, first quarter. Georgia's up 14-0 on Auburn. UCLA's up 14-10. Almost at halftime there. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that's about it. All right. A lot of these games still left to play. And I don't think Syracuse is playing today. Yeah, Syracuse and Penn State uh, are on buys this week. All right, let's talk a little baseball. The Angels and Shohei Otani avoided arbitration with a one-year deal worth $30 million. Oh, my God. Yeah, that tops Mookie Betts' deal from 2021 as the largest for an arbitration-eligible player. Otani, uh, this is worth noting, he will still become a free agent. It's just going to be one more year now. So at the end of next season, he will become a free agent. And speaking of, of the Angels, they took the interim tag off of Phil Nevin's title and officially announced him as their new full-time manager. So good for him. I know uh, he was great with the Yankees as their third base coach. Had a tough go with a, a bout with COVID and actually almost died from COVID. So uh, good to see the turnaround and good to see him get his opportunity. In other news, as the season ends, we lose some managers. Tony LaRusso won't return. White Sox manager is stepping down after just two seasons, citing health issues that caused him to miss more than 30 games, health issues, and 
saving him the embarrassment of being fired because although they won the division last year and made the playoffs for the first time in 30, uh, 13 years, excuse me, uh, they were very disappointing this year and didn't get the job done. And many fans questioned his decision-making. Um, it seemed that he fell asleep a couple times this year, didn't really know what was going on and fans had to tell him and, uh, so weird stuff going on there with Larusa, but he's he's up there in age as well. I know he's a Hall of Famer, but uh, he he's damn near what like seventy five, eighty years old at this point. And the Royals also uh, made some changes. They fired manager Mike Matheny and pitching coach Cal Eldred. Matheny lasted about three years there. They have been abysmal since back-to-back uh, playoff appearances, including that 2015 World Series. So keep an eye out there for who uh, to see who will replay, replace those guys. Okay, finally, Aaron Judge did not choke. He hit number 62. We all know it by now, but I'll just give you one last glimpse at it here. Uh, Michael Kay with the call in Texas. Number 61 wasn't caught by anybody except the Blue Jays bullpen. Number 62 was in fact caught. So there's the sound on 62 from Aaron Judge. So I said a fan did catch this one. Actually, somebody jumped out of the stands and like over the stands. I don't know where they landed, but they they fell out of the bleachers. Um, and the guy that caught the ball, um, he was already offered from an auction house or by an auction house, $2 million. I think he declined that. I know Judge wants the ball back. We don't know what he's going to do with it yet, but I don't think he's hurting for money because from what I understand, this guy's wife was on The Bachelor and she's like a Dallas sports reporter, Cowboys reporter, something to that effect. So of course, just the rich getting richer. But hey, he caught the ball. He was there and um, good for him because now he gets to sell it. They escorted him out of the building. There was video of that. And he was, they asked him what he's going to do with the ball. He wasn't too sure. So we'll see. Um, this is going to be a wait and see approach um, and, and see basically who bites first. If some crazy person just, you know, tells him they'll give him $5 million for it, he might take it. Maybe Judge and the Yankees will figure something out to get the ball back as well. But that ball eventually has to make its way to Cooperstown in the Baseball Hall of Fame. There is no doubt about it because that is history as Aaron Judge is the new king, the new AL home run king. Yes, not the all-time single season home run record. 
Depends how you want to look at it, but no. I don't consider it the all-time home run record because that goes to Barry Bonds for a single season, whether he was on uh, juice or not. Uh, but he is the AL home run king, beating Roger Maris's 61. And it was an unbelievable season. I was a little disappointed he couldn't win the Triple Crown. Missed out on that by four percentage points. Luisa Rise of the Minnesota Twins got that, uh, won the batting title there. Um, but Judge's season, he will without a doubt be MVP. If Otani were to win it, it would be the greatest snub in history. He was fifth in batting average in all of baseball, second in the American League. He was first in extra base hits, first in home runs. Oh my God. Cleveland just walked it off. First batter, bottom 15. Who is that? That is Gonzalez. This team is the youngest in baseball. I don't know how I don't know a lot of the guys on this team. I honestly don't know who just hit this ball. Give me a second. Corey Kluber will probably end his career with that pitch. I, I want to say that was either the first or second pitch of the 15th inning, and the Cleveland Guardians are moving on to face the Houston Astros. They win this one, one to nothing. It was Oscar Gonzalez with the home run. Absolute bedlam in Cleveland. Sorry, sorry, Rays. Sorry, not sorry. Season over for the Tampa Bay Rays, a team with one of the lowest payrolls that tries to get it done from within. They've been great over the last handful of years, given the Yankees trouble. But when it comes down to it, they can't seem to win anything. And um, I don't expect uh, Cleveland to, you know, fight or, or give too much of a battle uh, against Houston. So, but we'll see. You never know. Uh, really, really good job that um, that this team has done. I mean, Francona has been one of the greatest uh, managerial seasons of his career, I could argue. Um, let's see. Before Oscar Gonzalez's walk-off home run to send Cleveland to the Division Series. Oh, Cleveland is playing the Yankees now. I could have swore we were gonna we were gonna take the winner of the Seattle and um and Toronto series, but okay, I like this matchup better. Um, here was the combined offensive output through the top of the 15th in game two versus Tampa Bay. Ready for this, ladies and gentlemen? 93 at-bats in this game. There were 10 hits, zero extra base hits, eight walks, and 39 strikeouts. There are guys, if you go back a couple decades, that didn't strike out 39 times in a season. And we saw 39 strikeouts today in this game. And a lot of it, uh, you can blame launch angle all you want. So a guy like Joey Gallo had 56 hits on the season this year. And Aaron Judge had 62 home runs. That is just pathetically putrid. And you want to blame launch angle on a guy like Joey Gallo. That's fine as well. But it's more, it's more than launch angle. I am watching these games every night and I'm no, starting to notice there is a distinct similarity. There, there's such a, every single batter that I watch get up there is that strikes out is doing the exact same thing. And it's pretty much all around baseball because everybody is striking out. Yeah, there's guys that are t harder to strike out or the least type strikeout type guys like a Jeff McNeil who won the batting title in the NL. Guys like that maybe. Um, or Ben Intendi with the Yankees. Hopefully we'll get him back for this series against the Indians, or excuse me, Guardians. Um, 
he's tough to strike out. But here's the thing, and a DJ LeMahieu, um, but all in all, what these guys are doing wrong at the plate, it is one thing besides a launch angle. I'm not talking about launch angle. It is a total and utter lack of plate discipline. Nobody has plate discipline. I just watched the Rays had first and third with one out. The next batter up was a lefty, and he struck out. He swung at pitch in the dirt to strike out. There is zero plate discipline. These guys go up there, and yeah, the pitchers are as good as they've ever been in the history of the sport, but these guys are going up there, and they're guessing. They have no true approach. They should go up there. They, well, they, they're supposed to go up there. First and third, 0-0 zero, zero game, top 15. You should be going up there looking to put the ball in play. Hit it hard on the ground or sack fly somewhere. Okay? And what does he go up there doing? Taking strikes down the middle, swinging at bad pitches out of the strike zone. Here's the problem. When you go up there and every one of these pitchers is throwing 95-plus with filthy th- nasty stuff, three plus different pitches that they could get you with, you know, fastball, slider, changeup, curveball, knuckle curve, sinker, splitter, you name it, right? When they go up there and they take that first pitch strike down the middle, you're now in an 0-1 count. You cannot have success at any level of baseball or softball when you're constantly falling behind in the count. Now, if you get up there, it's an OO count, and he paints the outside corner, absolutely paints it. You, there's nothing you could do about that pitch. You, you spit on it, and you live for the next pitch because you'll be get. If you swing at pitches that are, you know, bad pitches, corners away, you know, when you're in an OO count or a one O count or a two O or three one count, that's how you get yourself out. You have to go up there and you have to have a mindset and you have to have a plan. You have to look for a pitch to drive and know the situation. First, third, one out. You have to, no matter what, you cannot strike out in that situation. You have to put the ball in play one way or another. You have to battle. And instead, these guys constantly, I see them swinging at high fastballs. Everybody wants to hit a home run, so they're swinging at high fastballs. You can't swing at a high fastball with this launch angle crap. You just can't do it. Plate discipline, people. Plate discipline. That's what I need to see from the Yankees in this series against Cleveland. We cannot lose to Cleveland. We need to get over the hump and beat the Astros and get to the damn World Series already. Um, but, yeah, congratulations to the Guardians. They move on. They sweep the the uh, Rays in two games. Plate discipline, people. Plate discipline. Forget the launch angle. Just put the damn ball in play and swing it. Swing at good pitches and know what, you know, know what a hitter's count is. Know what pitches to swing at. In, in you know when uh, very basic stuff here these guys should all know it and they are all hot dogs at this point that was my baseball rant all right here we go let's talk a little nba and to wrap this thing up the uh punch that was felt around the world earlier in the week we found out that there was a fight in uh practice with between the uh warriors uh draymond green apparently got in an altercation with jordan Poole at practice and swung at him or punched him, and whether it connected or not, I don't know, et cetera. Well, all it was was not speculation, but it was just being talked about. Statement was released. We knew this had happened. Well, then somebody in the Warriors organization who really doesn't like Draymond Green or maybe doesn't like the Warriors 
decided to leak the tape to TMZ, who put it out there for the entire world to see. We saw Draymond Green in the corner by the three-point line, and he's not even looking at Jordan Poole, who's more baseline. And um, I guess from the you can't really tell from the video, but I'm assuming they're jawing at each other and talking talking that talk. And then next thing you know, Draymond Green is kind of smiling, and he's still not looking at him, but he walks over, and that's when he just friggin' rears back and just boom, lowers the boom and tries to punch him. Whether he connected, I don't know. Um, but then there was a scrum. Everyone got involved, etc. Um, not a good look. It has since come out today that Draymond has publicly apologized to Poole and his family, and he will briefly step away from the team. Well, I don't know how long he's going to step away because the season begins in less than two weeks, and we're talking about the reigning, uh, defending NBA champion Golden State Warriors. So something to keep an eye on here, a little drama um, inside that locker room. And are we surprised it's friggin' Draymond Green? Never a dull moment with Draymond. Um, that's pretty much all I have. I think Jalen Suggs, from from what I was reading on Twitter last night, had a, a devastating knee injury uh, yesterday in the preseason because, of course, preseason has been going on. Uh, left knee capsule sprain and bone bruise. His timeline on return will depend on response to treatment, but there's a belief it wasn't a more serious injury. Okay, so not as bad as I thought. But yeah, preseason's going on. Season starting in less than two weeks, so keep an eye on that. But really, I'm all about football right now. All right, final segment on this date in sports or on this day in sports history. Um, I couldn't really find anything, so I'll give you this here. October 8th, 2011. So today is the 11-year anniversary of when Al Davis died at the age of 82. He was a prolific, um, boisterous owner, much like a Jerry Jones. And we all remember this famous line. Just win, baby. That was Al Davis for you, uh, owner of the Raiders. His son is now taking over uh, Mark Davis with that horrible bowl cut haircut. Um, and the Raiders, man, they just they haven't been doing much of winning lately. They got their first win against Denver, so maybe they'll build from there. And the Texans now remain the lone on, uh, team, the only team in the NFL without a win. So we'll see. We'll see. The NFL has been a nightmare for betters, especially myself. I, I went over three with my picks um, from the podcast last week when I said I was never going to go over, and I did it anyway. Um, so it's been really, really rough. Uh, the only consolation was I picked against the Jets, and the Jets ended up winning outright. Great comeback from Zach Wilson in his first game. Um, but um, yeah, it should be a fun slate. Like I said, we've got Giants Packers tomorrow at 930 on NFL Network. That'll kick things off right into the one o'clock games. Kenny Pickett will make his first official start at the Bills. That spread is at 14. That is a really high spread. Uh, I would probably take the Bills lower to 13 and a half and ride the Bills or do, you know, an alternate spread there. Um, Something, you know, tease that. Um, Packers is another one. I I kind of don't trust that. It's in London. I don't know what to make of that. Probably, yeah, they cover, but it's a pretty high spread. you got Browns, Chargers. Browns screwed me last week, so uh, I can't really trust them. I would probably take the Chargers here. Chargers are favored on the road. You've got the Vikings and the Bears. Like, there's some high spreads here. That's seven and a half. Patriots has jumped up to three and a half over the Lions. Some injuries there. Saints are four and a half point favorites without Michael Thomas. 
and without uh, Jameis Winston. I don't know how you could say that they're four and a half point favorites. That is a sketchy spread. Kamara's back. I know Dalton is playing, but that is very sketchy. I like what I'm seeing from DK Metcalf and Geno Smith and company. Shot Penny's look pretty good. So that's a weird spread there. Uh, the one I like most is the Buccaneers minus 10 over the Falcons. Um, from all indications, the Falcons have been decent this year they're both two and two these teams but the falcons have yet to play a really good team and a really good defense and i look for tom brady to make a statement here a uh, nfc south matchup he is going to uh put his foot uh you know on their throats and really try to score a lot of points here so i like the bucks probably drop that to nine and a half um i'm not going through all these games that's it we have eagles cardinals eagles are five point favorites on the road at the Cardinals, that was five and a half earlier. Whether you like the Cardinals here, I don't know, but we'll see if the Eagles can stay unbeaten. Ravens Bengals is the Sunday night game. That should be good. Ravens are three and a half point favorites. And then Monday night, speaking of those Raiders, they're one and three. Go on the road to face a really good Chiefs team. That's a seven point spread right now. And that's that's an interesting one. That's another divisional matchup, AFC West. I don't know if I I would jump on that. This is I have to really uh, look down, you know, uh, do and do do some research and really take a look at these games and finalize and figure out uh, all the injury reports before I make a decision because there are some high high spreads this week. Um, Jets at home, I think, are getting three and a half against the Dolphins with Teddy Bridgewater starting. I'd like to see something from the Jets win a game, show me some good solid sixty minute football, and, and see if they can get it done. Um, they lost to Bridgewater when he was with the Broncos last year, 24-0, so I'd like to see them bounce back. This would be the game to show me something. If they could beat this Dolphins team, that would truly show me something. So uh, let me know what you guys think, but um, that's pretty much where I sit. We're just under an hour. This has been episode 187 of This Week in Sports. I'm the Pody. I hope you enjoyed. Hope you guys had some good weather. I know it's getting a little cooler into the fall here, but uh, I hope you guys enjoy the weekend. Enjoy football. Enjoy NFL football tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. There's still a lot of games to come tonight, um, and I will be doing a podcast on Through the Ringer. So if you want to hear all my football picks there or our guys' picks on that show, jump over and listen to Through the Ringer. Um, wherever you get your podcast from. So I'm the Pody. Talk to you guys next week. Deuces.